Let us pray. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I'm just going to read a verse or two from our gospel just to refresh our memory. Let's find my spot. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. It's kind of just another day in the life, isn't it? I mean, I think actually we're more at risk in today's world with the onslaught of information of not noticing when there are wars and insurrections and famines and so many challenges, we are utterly overwhelmed, deluged by the information of the brokenness of the world. And we're 2,000 years out from the time that these words were apparently spoken by Jesus. And so far, he's not showing up in terms of the end times mythology that we have Uh, At least not right at this moment. (laughs) Of course, you never know. Uh, This gospel comes in the context of uh, the, the capture of Jerusalem, essentially, the occupation of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in the year 70. Um, The gospel was written either right around that or after that, so we're looking in hindsight. And so there's there is wisdom of having lived through this event of the fall of the temple. And uh, we, we sort of place it back in history, but the fall of the temple was their 9-11. Okay, it was their 9-11. And uh, it's still very live for the Jewish people. And when you go to Israel, it's alive. When you go to the wall, it is like it was yesterday. And um, sometimes we don't understand that very well. But I'd like you to imagine that uh, Lower Manhattan was occupied uh, by the Taliban, and we were not allowed to rebuild the World Trade Center in the 12 years that we rebuilt it. And by a spire's length, it is once again the tallest building in the country, if not the world. And the Taliban could well have bombed an airport or a train station or your house but they would not have made the same statement that they made in bombing the World Trade Center. Because what they did was they bombed our monument to who we are as a nation, to our character, to our wealth, to our success. And now that we've rebuilt it, it is a a monument, a legacy of our resilience as a nation. Buildings can say so much. And imagine for the Jewish people as their temple was destroyed, their central place of their religious life, the way they understood how they should interact and be with God 
in the life of sacrificial worship, the sacrifice. That was so critical, and it mattered so much that it happened there. And it was taken from them. We, we hear these reports out of the Philippines, and while we might in our uh, wealthy context say, well, they were just shacks that were blown away, they were people's homes. Memories made there, uh, lives made there, love made there, spiritual, religious things happened there, and it's gone. And it's gone. And uh, we, we have countless, countless realities of our worldly things to which we are attached. And uh, it's not so easy to hear the words of Jesus as he comes along and says, don't worry too much about these things. <laughs> See, I happened to be in New York City uh, when the Boston bombing happened. And I had a perfect view of the New World Trade Centers living up on the 23rd floor of an apartment building, or maybe it was even higher, I don't remember. But I tell you, we were all told to stay home. And I thought, I don't really want to stay here home because that's the biggest target in this country, you see, if this is going to happen again. And I was very attached to my material self, you see, <laughs> at that moment. I was ready to go to the airport, get on a plane, and come back here. Just, nobody's going to bomb Monterey, California, you see. It's not going to happen. <laughs> And it is hard to hear those words when Jesus says, uh, let go of these things, and it will save your soul. And Jesus, of course, uh, speaks and always leads us towards the eternal life, uh, the life that has no beginning and no middle and no end. In, in the book of Revelation, we hear those beautiful words of, I am the Alpha and the Omega. You know, I'm it. It's in me. And, and when you live in me and you ground yourself in me, uh, your legacy, your legacy, your monument, uh, who you are, testifies to something much, much greater, much, much greater than those things that we think we can build and will endure because they will not. They will not. And for us as, as Christians in these days, frankly, it isn't so much about uh, all the events that happen because they are happening everywhere all the time and and you know god bless technology we all know about it all the time and for us as as people who follow jesus uh, who is grace who is eternal life our question is how will we live in those times how will we live in these times how will we live will we live with our monuments that we build or will we live as a witness to eternal and everlasting life. Uh, psychology and religion commingled back, you know, in the 1970s, probably in the 60s it started. And uh, we love to say things like, let go and let God. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, and then it shifted, I would say, around in the 80s as things began to become a bit more post-Christian, post-modern. Uh, religion, not so sure about that anymore. And then it just became let go. <laughs> and now it's let go of God. Let go of God. And I don't think people really mean that. I think they mean let go of the monuments of religion. <laughs> uh, because sometimes the monuments of religion, you know, they, they lessen our ability to see God. And I say that as an absolute icon 
of the religious tradition of Christianity. Uh, Julia Sweeney did a piece called Letting Go of God as she moved from being a, a rather devout and practiced Roman Catholic to being an atheist. And it's a fascinating and funny story. I don't know if you remember Julia Sweeney. She was the androgynous Pat on Saturday Night Live any number of years ago. Funny woman. Also deep woman. Reflects deeply. And uh, I, I contemplate that title, you know, letting go of God. Is that what people really mean? And I don't think it's what they really mean. I think it's that they just want to cut through some of the stuff and get to the mystery and get to the eternal life. They want their soul saved and touched and impacted. And sometimes the monument of religion that we build uh, actually detracts from that. So letting go of the things we build is work for us. I, I think it happens in our relationships. It happens in our institutions. Uh, one of the most moving examples that I experienced recently was on a trip to Vancouver and uh, I'm part of the International Women's Forum, and we have a fall leadership conference. There were 800 women from 31 countries uh, who all are, um, I don't know, even know however I got invited to be in the group because they're all just amazing people that do amazing things. Uh, but I'm always just so pleased to be in their presence. And we were at this conference uh, talking about movements that make a difference in the world today. And one of the things we did was we went to the poorest uh, part of the city of Vancouver, to look at how they have dealt with um, quite in, in very innovative ways some of the most difficult social problems that we also face, things like homelessness and drug addiction, mental illness, and uh, so on. And the, the uh, chief of police of Vancouver gave us the tour. And uh, we went to this one block, and we were, we were walking around that area, and he said, on this block, we would get 1,000 calls a month, 1,000 calls a month, for uh, unrest and issues and all kinds of things that had to be dealt with. He said, and one day we realized we were beat. <laughs> that actually uh, we didn't know what to do. And what we were doing was no longer working. And so what they did was they had police officers go and live for six weeks at a time in the very poor tenement, uh, single room housing units for six weeks at a time. And they got, they, they, they were able to understand the problems better, and they were able to understand how they were part of the problem. <laughs> and they were able to let go of the institution and the laws and everything they built up to try and manage these things, and if we just do these things, then this will happen, and they let go of it all. And they went and they dwelt in the place. They reduced those calls from 1,000 a month to 90, okay, to 90. And so in our lives, every one of us somewhere in some little way, or maybe even in some big way if we're charged with uh, governing an institution, uh, we need to look. What, how have we gotten in our own way of living this eternal life in which Jesus so graciously has welcomed us. Amen. Amen.